0: Okay, it is time for us to respond to another podcast. That's right. Someone has to do it, and it might as well be us. Yes, we're going to respond to, well, it's those theology gals over there. You know, they talked about a thing called the Sabbath, and we're going to deal with that today on The rap Report. Welcome to The rap Report with Andrew Rapaport. Where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is a ministry of Striving for Eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Well, welcome to The Wrap Report, and I am Andrew Wrap Report with Striving for Eternity. Folks, if you listened to the last weekly podcast, it was the one on depression. That was a tough one to do, but yeah, you know, I got some feedback on that that really was encouraging. Today, it dropped, and I got someone that sent me a message, someone who I've been talking with uh, throughout the year. met him about a year ago at a conference, and he has been struggling with some different things. And He happened to listen. I get a message from him, Hey, just got done listening to your podcast on depression with Amy Matravati. I probably still got that wrong. Um, Matravati. And it really helped me on many different levels. Thanks, Andrew. And I responded and told him, well, that's good to hear. To be honest, I was a little concerned sharing about my own struggles with depression because I think sometimes people will think less of me. And, uh, he responded and said, uh, some will, but by opening up, you are helping a lot of people. I, for instance, am diagnosed bipolar and can relate to everything you guys were talking about. By the way, oh, uh, by the way, he's going to be at a conference that, uh, that I'm going to be at. So the the, the reality is that uh, that was actually the third message I got within a few hours of that dropping. I, I guess there's more people struggling with depression than than I thought of or knew of, and um, we're we're probably going to deal with a little bit more. In the future, another topic may have someone come on and deal with the issue of de- not just depression, but actually suicide. And that's something that we're going to work on for the future. And uh, that was encouraging. I needed that good news. Why? Because, well, there's been a lot. It's been a strange week. I don't know if you guys knew, but this week we dropped two podcasts, that special podcast on the statement on social justice. You know, there was a lot of encouraging things at first and now not so much. Uh, Today, uh, I was told that even though my family never owned slaves and were not in this country, but were from Russia and Romania and didn't uh, came over here, and that my parents were the first generation here in America, that I still have white privilege for own for for slavery, because I live in America. That's strange. I guess then many of the blacks have a greater privilege. You know, this is a problem that some people don't understand. I, don't, I We did a podcast with Paul Kaiser, and, and one of the things he said on the issue of social justice, and one of the things he said was the fact that, you know, he's not glad that his ancestors were slaves and had to go through what they went through, but because they did, he gets the benefits of living in America and not growing up in somewhere somewhere else like maybe Africa, but he said he is reaping the benefits. You know, there's many people who come and immigrate to this country so that their children can get benefits. Now, I don't support slavery and the, and the kidnapping of people and bringing people over the way that it was done. That was wrong. That aside, however, what we end up having to deal with is the fact that we cannot ignore the fact that everybody has privilege because of america because they live here and it doesn't have to do with white or black it has to do with the fact that this country was founded on christian values and now they want to attack those values and basically say all christians are are the problem that's what you're seeing it's really an attack on god but I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to give you a little clue on what's to coming up on the daily podcasts. If you listen to the Rap Report Daily, that two-minute podcast every day, we are going to go through the statement on social justice for the next couple of weeks and go through every article so that even if you haven't read it, you're going to be able to hear it. I give a slight commentary where I can because, well, it's only two minutes long. So make sure that you subscribe to the Rap Report and that you are listening to that. We're going to go through all of that. With all of that said, I want to get into uh, the issue of the Sabbath and the comments made from the Theology Gals. Now, I will link their podcast here, but I want to give my views. I'm going to have a little bit of a different view in some areas, but there's some agreement. But, you know, I think that Ashley said something very good in the beginning that's a good note for all of us. So let's play that. Ashley?
1: Recently, I was trying to understand a theological system in that i disagree with and one of my friends said make sure you go to the source of the people that actually hold that view and understand what they say they believe rather than reading articles from reformed people on what they believe even though those are helpful right. too you want to actually go like like let's say it it's like dispensational or just just some other system like, what do dispensationals say they believe? You know, what do, you know, whatever it is, say they believe? Um, and, then, and then try to figure it out from there.
0: That's very good advice, Ashley, because that's what I always encourage people to do. The, the reality is, is if you're going to take an argument, you better be able to argue someone else's argument as well as they can. Then you know their argument. Then if you disagree, hey, great. You, you have a good grounds for disagreeing because you understand the argument rightly. And so I wanted to deal with some of the things of the Sabbath. Now, Ashley, let me ask a question of you. Uh, why honor the Sabbath? Why would we even be discussing it? Why
1: do we honor the Sabbath?
0: Oh, that was Colleen. Well, Sorry.
1: should we read what the catechism
2: says? What do you think? I think that's a great idea because I, I don't think we can sum up as well as the catechism does.
0: Now, where did she go? She went to the catechism. I'm just saying, I think we're going to see a Presbyterian Baptist thing here soon. But, <laughs> but why? What is the requirements then for the, the Sabbath? I'd like to know from the the ladies here what they think.
1: Uh, perhaps uh, question fifty-eight from the catechism: What is required in the fourth commandment? I think uh, the fourth commandment requireth. I love the old English. Uh, requireth the keeping holy to God such set times as he hath appointed in his word expressly one whole day and seventh to be a holy Sabbath to himself. And that's actually not that's not like a lengthy list of, you know, things that you have to do. That's that's actually kind of broad.
0: That is broad. And I'm actually going to agree with that statement. Let's take a look at what scripture says. I was actually teaching this. I do a a Friday night Bible study here in my house, and we are going through the book of Genesis. I happen, just happened, to be in Genesis chapter 2 this week. And this is what we were dealing with, Genesis 2. And it says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work he has done in creation. Now this is where we first see the Sabbath. We see the Sabbath first introduced here. And as it is introduced, we see that God has rested. Now there's no command here for us to obey anything, it's just that this is a Sabbath. However, when the law was given in Exodus chapter 20, there is a command, the fourth command that's given. And it's kind of interesting because when you look at the commands, they're pretty short for the most part, except for like the Sabbath this is one of the longer ones. But if you look at Exodus 20 verse 10, um, actually, sorry, verse 9, I should start in verse 8 where it starts. That'd be good. So Exodus 28. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you are to labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath. And the Lord your God, uh, to the Lord your God, On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who are within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What we see here from Genesis is that this was a pattern that we see in Exodus 20 was to be followed that because God worked six days, he rested on the seventh, we are to work six days, rest on the seventh. Notice this is tied to creation. This is not tied to the law. Well, maybe. So in creation, I'm going to argue that God took six days, because if you think about it, what took him so long? You ever think about that? God could have created everything in a split second. I mean, earth, stars, sun, moon, trees, animals, man, female, male and female, the birds, the fish, everything. He could just, boom, all of it could have been just in existence. He purposely did it in six days and rested on the seventh because he wanted a pattern for us. Therefore, I'm going to argue, and I'm going to agree with both Colleen and Ashley, that there is a creation Sabbath. There is a Sabbath that we see from the creation. Excuse me. So what we end up seeing is that God established a Sabbath at the beginning of creation. Now the second question is, does that carry over? To us today. Well, before we can get there, let's look at the fact that the Sabbath did change with the giving of the law. When Moses gave the law, there was now laws given to the nation of Israel where you end up seeing him give very specific laws of what they could and could not do on the Sabbath. And, you know, Colleen is going to go back to those confessional documents. I mean, not the Bible, like a Baptist would. I mean, we, you know, we don't have those confessional. We don't have Westminster Confession. No, 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 we're we're going to go to the Bible. No, but if you look at the confessional statements, they expound more.
2: Well, the the confession actually expounds on it a little bit more because it says um, that, it's, that it's to be kept holy unto the Lord. When men, after due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all that day from their own works, I kind of I know some of, the, some of this in another version, and I've got the Old English here, so I'm not quoting exactly. But um, so a holy rest all the day from their own works words and thoughts about worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in public and private exercises of his worship and the duties of necessity and mercy.
0: Okay. Now much of that I'm going to agree with. I don't think there's an issue there. We do see that that was specifically true for the nation of Israel. However, where I'm going to differ is when we look at some of these laws that were for Israel and whether they apply to a church. Now I'm gonna make a a little bit of a different distinction. I'm gonna distinguish the laws between universal laws. Those are gonna be laws that are part of from creation, laws that are thou shalt not murder. Why? Because we get that morality from the nature of God. God's not a murderer, therefore we shouldn't murder. I shouldn't lie. Why? Because God's not a liar. God's nature hasn't changed, therefore, those laws are not gonna change. So when we look at those, we're gonna see that these are laws that are not only in the Old Testament, they're repeated in the New Testament, except for one. There's only one of the Ten Commandments not repeated in the New Testament. It is the Sabbath. Now, I will go and I'm gonna say if I look at something like Romans chapter one, uh, sorry, Romans chapter seven, Paul is going to be speaking there about the the, the law. And he's going to say that the law serves a purpose. And he's using he uses in chapter 7 the example of marriage. And he ends up saying that a married woman, she's bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But when he dies, she's released from the law. And then, you know, if she didn't, if she went off and, and had, uh, you know, ends up going with another man while the husband's alive, while the law is still in effect, that would be adultery. And so that wouldn't be, uh, well, it wouldn't be right. So he's making an argument of the law, right? So here's the issue of the law, right? Is while the law is in effect, we're bound by the law. But once we've died to the law, as he says in verse 4, likewise, my brothers, you've also died to the law through the body of Christ. Uh, so that we're not we're not beholden to it anymore, because now we serve a law of Christ, and so we are. I would say we, the church, are not Israel. We're not bound by the laws of Israel. Are we still bound by the Sabbath? Well, yes, because the Sabbath is a creation order, but it was, I believe, expanded when it came to Israel, the nation of Israel. God expanded that law. Gave more details to it for the nation of Israel, and they did that to keep Israel separate from the other nations, just like the wearing of clothes and things they eat. And you end up seeing this, I think, also dealt with in a way in Galatians chapter three. In Galatians three, we get this example. Well, we're going to actually in Galatians get an example of 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 uh, Sarah and Hagar. But you know, it it says in Galatians three seventeen. the law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. In other words, you know, what God did in the creation isn't made void when the law is ratified. So I think that even though we have uh, a completion of the law with Christ's death, we're not obligated to all the things of the law, and you're going to see that law being uh, ex- made an example between Hagar and Sarah, but you end up seeing that the law is in effect for the nation of Israel. I don't think it's an effect for us. Now, I'm going to say that I think the Sabbath is something that was a law for Israel that was also for the Everybody. So everyone had the law of Sabbath. For Israel, well, it got a little bit more specific. Why? Because they were to be separated from the other nations. And that's one of the many rules that they had to keep them separate. And the Sabbath did that. And so then you end up having this exchange, ladies.
2: We are still um, called to obedience of the moral law. And that's one reason why we believe that that we believe the Sabbath is a moral law and that it's from creation. And that's why we, we still honor it. And like I said, I'm going to link our law episode in, in the episode notes, but in the, in the shorter catechism, question 41, it says where, wherein is the moral law summarily comprehended? The moral law is summarily comprehended in the
1: 10 commandments. So, um, which Jesus repeated in the in the New Testament, and we, right. we see no we see no reason we see no reason why that has ended in Scripture. There was no, right. and we no longer, you know, Jesus never, you know, said, and we no longer do this. So that's why we still we still follow the Ten Commandments, um, not, not just the nine not- commandments, but the Ten Commandments. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well. Sort of, sort of, Ashley. No, here's the thing. You know, I agree and disagree with that because, <laughs> you know, the reality is this. We have the commandments that are repeated in the New Testament and Sabbath is, the Sabbath command is not repeated in the New Testament, but it is from creation. So there is an element of the Sabbath that we should honor. Do we have to honor all the Sabbath from the nation of Israel? Well, see, if you're, not gonna honor that Sabbath, or if you are gonna honor that Sabbath, I would say you have to honor the keeping kosher too. Because it's a thing of the the law is either going to be in effect or not, as I think. But now they have a whole podcast on on the Presbyterian view of of law. Obviously as you can see they they disagree with me. I disagree. It, you, And did you get those earlier things? I forgot to mention, Ashley was doing those dings against us dispensationalists. Just saying, I figured I got to get them back, right? No, (laughs) but here's the thing. There is, I think, an argument that could be made that we have a Sabbath that we obey that goes back to creation, but not the Sabbath that was given to Israel. I hope you see that distinction. There's a universal Sabbath everyone should be keeping, everyone would be held to because God rested. That's not tied to his nature, but it is tied to his creation. And therefore, because it's tied to his creation, I think it would be universal. However, I think that that law was expanded and given more detail specifically for the nation of Israel, just like the laws for for how to dress, how to eat, how to keep separate from the world around them, the nations, so that they would be a separate people. And in doing so, those Sabbath laws, just like the food laws and other things, I think we no longer need to honor that way. We honor that creation Sabbath. But then they got into Colossians two sixteen, and they said this.
2: So one of the one of the things Ashley and I have heard a lot is people will use Colossians two sixteen that that says. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Doesn't that mean, you know, we shouldn't be judging other people. They need to just do what what's, what's good for them.
1: Well, I, you know, I, I just think that verse is really taken out of context. It's, it's not really talking about the Lord's Day or um, Fourth Commandment. It's talking about festival days yeah how it says in questions of food and drink um, with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath or eight Sabbath um, and it's referring to you know the the festival days and the the i think the ceremonial aspects of the law right right, or and I
2: think that's why they try to tie the Sabbath into that Sabbath was more of a ceremonial. Um, fits right. under the ceremony a lot. Well, I guess dispensationalists don't actually split the law up in the same way that we do, but essentially, mm-hmm. that's why they don't believe that we are to honor the Sabbath.
0: Well, I'm going to have to agree with Colleen there. We don't separate it that way. <clears throat> that is the difference, is it not? How we separate these laws. I'm seeing them as universal and laws and national laws. So that's how I separate. I don't actually know if there's others who separate it that way. It's just the easiest for me to understand. I base those laws that are based in the nature of God and creation as laws that should never change. And those laws that were given to the nation of Israel were for that nation. Now, I actually, I'm sorry. I kind of have to disagree with you a bit. I'm sorry. But actually, this Sabbath was dealing with Sabbath. Now, a lot of people don't understand some the Sabbath in Judaism. So, every festival is called a Sabbath. Okay? When you have a festival, it is a day of rest. So, we there's many Sabbaths, not just the 7th day. I mean, Yom Kippur, Sabbath day, Rosh Hashanah, Sabbath day. These are all days of a Sabbath. So, the distinction of a festival or a Sabbath I think is speaking of the day of rest. Now, in that particular verse, I actually think the argument is over the the festivals, whether to, to, you know, do you do Passover, do you not anymore? Or the Sabbath being Saturday or Sunday, That was actually the debate going on, was did you worship on Saturday or Sunday? And that still hasn't gone away with some seven-day events, right? So the reality is that I think that what you see here is that this is talking about the Sabbath that we're discussing, that day of rest, that would be that seventh day. Should it be a Saturday? Should it be a Sunday? And how do we go through this? Now, we are, if you notice, the difference, how we're breaking up the laws of Presbyterian's you know, that Westminster Confession of Faith says that there's a threefold division, right? It's the moral law, the ceremonial law, and the civil law. And Moses' civil law, they would be saying that, okay, that's, that's, you know, things for Israel and the ceremonial law were things for Israel, moral law, we all obey. But how do you break that up? There's nothing in the Bible that says this is moral, this isn't. Now, Ten Commandments, most people are going to say, well, that's moral. But is that fitting with the creation Sabbath? Or the Sabbath that was expanded for Israel, I'm I, I'm going to say it was probably creation. But then there's this.
1: So we're not talking about festival days um, that they used to have. Um, we're talking about the Lord's Day, which was established at creation, and nowhere in Scripture is it ended. You know, you no right. longer need to follow the Sabbath, and so I think the burden of proof is on the person who wants to say that it is no longer because they need to show clearly not in like a vague, not of, I'm not saying that verse is vague, but it's, it's not directly related to the Sabbath, the Lord's day. They need to show clearly where someone authoritatively has said that we no longer have to follow the Sabbath because what we do see is Jesus saying, um, Uh, the Sabbath is for man, and we see him, you know, summarizing the moral law, love the Lord your God. Um, We just don't see a clear, you know, you're still supposed to follow nine commandments, but but not this one. Um, Right. We don't see that in scripture. And so the burden of proof is on the person who thinks that's the case to show that. And I've just never, I've never read or seen anything that's um, been at all convincing on on
0: that? It's not convincing, Ashley. Well, I will. I'll throw out this challenge. You know, Ashley, Colleen, if you guys wanted to come in here, come on in and let's talk about it. I, I'm not afraid to discuss it with you. If you want to disagree with me, but I'm going to disagree with a little bit of that because I'm going to say the burden of proof is on you to show that this is part of a moral law versus a ceremonial law versus a civil law, and some of those laws go away and not the others. How do you make that division? The reality is all of us struggle with that. Um, And I'm going to say that I'm going to honor all 10 of the 10 commandments because I think there is a commandment of the Sabbath back to creation, but not the ones that are so detailed about the the working and what you can and can't do that we see in the Old Testament, in Leviticus and elsewhere that was given for the nation of Israel. I kind of think, well, Maybe, maybe could they be making stuff up? Colleen, are you making things up on your, you know, on your podcast? I try not to make stuff up on this podcast. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't see that the div- threefold division. I'm just saying, but they do give some good advice of how to handle this.
1: Yeah, make, if you're if you're sure, you know, if you're going to land on the side of I don't think this is something we have to do. Make make sure you're sure. <laughs> about right. that because otherwise you're not following god's law and that's that's not good so um talk with your pastor about it i guess only if he's a sabbatarian
0: Only, um, yeah
1: hey? don't <laughs> talk with your dispensational no i'm just
0: kidding <laughs> wait a minute actually don't talk to your dispensational pastor what if he's right i mean look i think that the way that they started about fairness you know even colleen had said something similar about understanding both sides.
2: But at least understand both sides. That that would be what we'd encourage. Yeah, Andrew, you, you're you going to go after theology gals and talk about what great points we made about understanding both sides and not even bring me on
0: <laughs> to defend. It's, so are you saying that you crashed my podcast?
2: I I got a personal invite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... So let, let's talk about this. So you've heard where I've agreed and disagreed. Uh, I think there were some good points you guys made. Although you, I noticed at least in the th- three of the clips that I played that through those dispensationalists under the bus. Um, so let's talk about it. really. Let me ask you. Well, this.
2: Let, let me let me start with this just to say a few things on what you've said so far, because obviously I've been here li- listening quietly. Which is very difficult <laughs> to do, um, but quietly, just listening to what you have to say, you know, I think this is I don't think it's something we're going to talk about our differences, but it would I think it would be impossible to debate because we're um, we're working from two different frameworks of understanding some of this, where we split the law up into the civil ceremonial and moral law. Uh, We believe that the Ten Commandments, all of them are are moral law. You know, we do think that there are aspects of uh, the Sabbath laws that were civil and ceremonial. And so that is why we do not hold to those things. But we do believe a day is set apart for the worship of God um, still today. And I think that even some dispensationalists would would agree with that to some degree uh, and just maybe differ on how that looks. E- even you said that you think it goes back to creation and there's aspects of that that are true. And so, but I think we're coming from two different completely different frameworks um, of understanding it. So,
0: Yeah. Cause that was the question I was going to actually ask you is I think that really, so many people argue and debate over the issue of the Sabbath, and really it comes down to, and I, I was playfully trying to, to do this, but I hope that it made the point across where we agree and disagree really come down to how we are looking at the law and dividing the law. Now, right. some dispensationalists that would argue there's some, okay, let me word it this way. There are some dispensationalists that are hyper-dispensationalists that would reject all of the Old Testament that's not normal. And when people try to say, well, that's what dispensationalism is, you don't argue any position from its extreme, okay? Uh, There's even further extremes because there's some that only look at the letters to Paul, okay? But that's an extreme position. That's not the norm. But I think really what I was trying to playfully point out is a Presbyterian or Reformed view is going to have a threefold division, right? You're going to have ceremonial, right, right. civil, and moral. And I'm going to argue, and I may be unique in this way, I'm going to argue there's universal laws, there's laws to Israel, there's laws for the church. Uh, new Covenant and, and- will argue for a law, uh, an Old Testament law, and a, a law of Christ, I think they call it.
2: Well, and the other thing is, too, is that we're, all, we're also going to differ on who we think that Israel and the church are, where you would see a distinction and we would not. And so there's a lot of different things at play here, not just um, what we believe about the Sabbath, but what we believe about the church in Israel and what we believe about the law.
0: Okay, so let's get into that for folks who don't understand that. As a Presbyterian, you're going to see that the church— israel are two different administrations really of, of the same body right so the the some i don't know if you you would argue this but some Presbyterians would say that uh the that the israel in the old testament is the church the old testament church and new testament church is what we're in now so they wouldn't see this a distinction and there and by the way folks there are a lot of variations in this because really the question is how much continuity and discontinuity is there between Israel and the church the extreme positions are there's complete continuity Israel is the church the church is Israel there's no distinction that's all the way at one end all the way at the other end Israel has nothing to do with the church church has nothing to do with Israel they're two absolutely distinct bodies. That's the other extreme. Anytime you have things like that, the truth is usually somewhere in the middle (laughs) where you have to actually apply some thinking. And I think where, you know, Colleen and I are going to be are a little bit closer in the middle there where we're going to see some continuity, some discontinuity. We're going to see some similarity, some dissimilarity. And I'm going to be more on the side of the dissimilar where I'm going to say that There are more distinctions between Israel and the church, so I'm going to see Israel as the Old Testament as a nation, and that as a nation they had certain things, laws that were applied to them, that the church would not. However, I'm not going to say they're completely distinct, because not everybody who is in Israel is Israel. We see that in Romans. What does that mean? It means that not everybody that was in the nation of Israel was spiritual Israel. Now there, you're going to see some of this continuity that Colleen is going to be more on the side of. Where I'm going to say that the spiritual Israel, those that were believers in Old Testament Israel, uh, that were part of that nation, are similar to New Testament believers because they're, they're saved by grace through faith alone. And now they look forward to what Christ would do, and we look back to what Christ did, but it's still based on the work of Christ. But that distinction that we're both going to have is going to affect the way we look at Israel. Now, because I'm seeing more of a distinction, I hope you're seeing that I see a difference between laws given to that nation versus laws given to the church, where Colleen, who's not going to see as much of that separation, is going to see that these laws are divided differently. Does that that make sense, Colleen? Fair way to yeah, put it. Yeah.
2: No, I, I think I think that that was that was a fair summary. Um, I mean, we and we do we see we see continuity and discontinuity when you were talking about um, Israel and spiritual Israel. We we have a um, emphasis on the invisible invisible church, and so. For instance, my babies were baptized. <gasps> I know, I know. There's probably people listening right now that are now thinking I'm Catholic, um, <laughs> and when my babies are baptized, we do not believe that that saves them. We, we do not believe that that uh, removes their original sin, like the Catholic Church might believe. But we do believe it is the sign of the covenant, and so our children are part of the covenant people, um, being in the church, but. They are not, uh, but until they have saving faith in Christ, they are not part of the invisible church.
0: And there are many Presbyterians. You brought up baptism. There are many Presbyterians who would say that if a child is baptized, they enter into the covenant relationship as part of that family. And some would say that because of that, they a, a child who dies and go would go to heaven. Now, let me preface this. There are Baptists, like John MacArthur, who believe that all children go to heaven. So if you're going to say that, well, only that you have an issue because the baptized ones would go, well, some say all go. Um, I'm going to disagree with both views and say, we don't know. And therefore, I can't say, I know this is so bad. Some are going to hate me. I am going to get such hate email. Um, I was going to do hate mail. Um, cause we got some fun hate mail in this week or last week actually. Um, but uh, I'll probably get more of it after this. I cannot say whether my child who died in my wife's womb is in heaven. Why? Cause I don't see any scripture that says anything either way. And so I just don't take a position on it. I can't argue either one. I would love to think that all children go to heaven If they're all baptized children, then my child still wouldn't be in heaven. So I want all children. I want to go with MacArthur's view. I like that one better. It just feels better. But I don't know that that's true. So there is that. And and it is a thing of being part of the covenant relationship. And people don't understand that who are not. Presbyterian and Reformed. And so that was something else that we're bringing into this, aren't we, Colleen, is this idea of covenants. Because the covenant relationship's important within Presbyterianism, isn't it?
2: Right. Well, and and let me just say, not just Presbyterian. Some people make the mistake of thinking there's Baptist and Presbyterian, but there's actually, um, we're no, not I'm not even bringing Lutherans into. This. We're actually Reformed and Presbyterian, so there's the Dutch Reformed Church, and not all of not all of the De- not all Reformed are Presbyterians because Presbyterian has to do with our form of church government. So there's there's uh, there's people that belong to churches that hold the three forms of unity, which is Reformed confession, and they they believe. Um, the same things about covenant theology, about the law, about our children, and different things like that, but they don't believe in a Presbyterian form of church government. And so I always like to distinguish that we're talking about Reformed and and Presbyterian. And I wanted to say, too, for those at this You know, if this is a new idea for you, I I remember the first time I heard of infant baptism, and, you know, I just thought everyone had the Catholic view. There is different views, and the view that I said earlier is the historic Reformed view. But as with anything, when Andrew was talking about even dispensational extremists, I actually have family that are ultra dispensationalists. You know, they, they don't believe in baptism or the Lord's Supper, and I I believe they only think the words of Paul are for the church and so on and so forth. Um, we have we have kind of some outliners in the Reformed and Presbyterian circles too. So there is a, we we recently did a couple episodes on something called Federal Vision. And so within Federal Vision, they believe that at baptism, a child is united to Christ. That is, that is not the historic Reformed view though. That. And, and I would say what you were talking about, Andrew, too, that there would even be differences. I won't get really deep into that right now, but there would be differences even among Reformed and Presbyterians about what you were talking about. So I think yeah, I mean, it's similar in that we have different views.
0: And the, Because the first time I was studying the Reformed view, remember, I, I came from a Jewish background, as you know, and came into a fundamentalist Baptist Dispensational Church. And that's what I knew and I still think it's right, just saying. But, well, some of it. I Maybe mean, not the King James part, but, <laughs> but as I've been reading from the ESV, right? The uh, But the point being is, <clears throat> I look at that, and when I first heard of the infant baptism and this idea that children are getting baptized, and by virtue of being baptized into covenant family, they would be saved when they die, I, in a wrong view, jump to a conclusion that presbyterians or reformed folk would argue that children are saved by baptism but adults are saved by grace now those are things and this i'm saying this as a warning for folks those are things that could happen you can have people who it, it seems like that's what it's saying but I'm going to go back to what I said earlier in, in this podcast. You have to be able to defend someone else's position to know that you rightly understand it. And as I started to understand the view that, that reformed folk would have more, and I am making the distinction, I should, all these distinctions we have to make. I'm making a distinction on reformed folk, reformed people versus myself as dispensational because I take reformed in its historical sense. A lot of people use reformed today to refer to the doctrines of grace or what's called Calvinism. That's historically not what reformed means. As Colleen has been pointing out, it is more to do with the way you're going to interpret the scriptures, a view of the covenants and things like that, that a dispensationalist wouldn't hold. So in that terminology, I'm going to separate myself from being reformed because I wouldn't be reformed in that way. Now, as far as doctrines of grace, that's a different issue we could talk about, right? So the, the thing, though, that I was trying to say is when we look at the way that Reformed people would argue, I had to understand how they viewed infant baptism to realize that they weren't saying that the baptism saves the child. It doesn't add some grace to the child it is something that is bringing them into a relationship through their parents that some would say, not all, some would say that those children would go to heaven. And the thing I ended up realizing is that there's many Baptists who would argue that all children go to heaven. Uh, The, the reformed would, some reformed would, would make a distinction on whether it's, whether they're baptized or not. Really what they're, going to focus on, and this is going to be essential to the issue of the Sabbath, it has to do with the covenants, how we view the covenants, and that covenant relationship. And we're going to see, as, as a, I'm going to say, I'm going to see as a Baptist that that covenant relationship that Israel had was maybe Twofold. There was a national covenant that Israel had, and for some within Israel, a spiritual covenant that they had. I personally think that reflects very closely to what we see in the church and what Colleen referenced. She referenced the visible, invisible church. If you listen to the podcast I did on the church in in the daily podcast where we went through what the church is, I talked about that difference. The visible Or local church is where the church gathers. So on Sunday, I go to a building and the church gathers. I am not deceived into thinking that everybody that goes to that building is a Christian. But everybody that is a Christian is part of the invisible or what's called universal church. So some distinctions. Maybe this is new for folks, but these distinctions are important. I think that in, within Israel, there were those who were saved and part of the nation, and there were those who were not saved but part of the nation. I think within the local church, there's some who are saved. I hope the majority, and part of the local body, and there's also some who are not saved and part of the local body. What do you think of that, Colleen? That fair?
2: I, yeah, I I think that I think that that's that's fair. I was going to say something else and it just totally went about what you just said. And it just totally went, went out of my head. I'm actually, I, I'm reading, I'm reading a great book and it's actually a critique of dispensationalism, but I, there's some good stuff in it. Well, it's only a
0: great book if it, (laughs) if it disagrees with the critiques that it's making and agrees with it.
2: (laughs) And you'll have to, I can't, I can't even tell you, tell you what it is, but I'm reading it to have this pastor on our podcast. But, you know, there are, I think, I think it, some people make the mistake of not recognizing the areas that we do agree and which he kind of talks about in, in the book. And I, I think that's important. And I think even I, I'm hoping that one thing people can see when Andrew and I sometimes do these podcasts and we did a podcast before where we were pretty much agreeing the whole time. But one thing I'm I'm really hoping that this can be an example is that you can disagree with people and do so with charity and grace and and still recognize that you're brothers and sisters in Christ because so often on social media we see just vicious and uncharitable and unkind debates and if Andrew and I agree on all of the essential doctrines of the Christian faith. And that's why we recognize each other as brother and sister. But we can take these secondary issues and we can disagree, but we can do it with charity and grace.
0: And as you know very well, Colleen, this is a core part of the ministry at Striving Fraternity that we want to portray that's the whole reason we, we want to do a christian podcast community is to get people we may not all agree that's okay we can still promote one another and work within a community to promote one another to help one another to to further one another's ministry for the glory of god and, and that's so an anathema to social media i understand but this is the thing we an issue like the Sabbath is one that we're supposed to have so much disagreement on, and yet I think that there is there's actually a lot more agreement than disagreement on this. We're gonna, where I'm gonna disagree. I'll tell you a story. I think I've told you this, Colleen, <clears throat> in 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 private, you know, off air. But um, I went, and you know this. I went to a Presbyterian church. I was invited to to speak. I was actually because of the, the situation. I was speaking at this church for five weeks. It was five Sundays. I was going to be speaking all five Sundays and we had a gentleman that came in. He was a had first time coming to the church. He had been brought up Baptist and he's told me that he came and talked to me cause I'm the guy he saw at the pulpit. Now I was not teaching on anything that would be different from, you know, that there would be an issue of differences with within our our views. But he came up and asked me what would be the difference between a Baptist church he grew up in and his. I was able to explain accurately the Presbyterian view of baptism. I answered, I said, I'm a Baptist, but this church teaches. The pastor had said to me, I wish the people in my church understood Presbyterian baptism as well as you, a Baptist, understand. That's what we should look to do. Something else happened at that church dealing with the Sabbath. It's one of those providential things. And I don't know whether Colleen is going to be upset with hearing this. Maybe she holds this view. I could get myself in trouble. But I was at the church. My routine was to stop by Dunkin' Donuts and pick up a coffee on my way to church and to enjoy that coffee while I drove to the church And I usually would walk in and when I taught the Sunday school, I would enjoy that coffee. And I was glad that I didn't this particular time because when the pastor was teaching, because he did some some of the teaching each of those days. And as he was teaching, he talked about the Sabbath and his view and his Presbyterian view was that to go to, and he used the example of Duncan donuts. Now, here's what happened. When I got to church, I forgot my coffee in the car. Knucklehead that I am. And I actually said to my wife, I forgot my coffee in the car. I so want my coffee right now. While he was teaching. And then he started teaching about the Sabbath. And he said that to go to a place like Dunkin' Donuts on a Sunday would be to force someone to have to work. And that would make force, you'd be forcing them to break the Sabbath. And I went, I'm so glad I forgot my coffee in the car <laughs> because if I had, I brought my Dunkin Donuts coffee in the car, I, I could have been causing him to stumble. Uh, but there are people that would have a view that you don't go to, you don't go to restaurants. You don't go to places where you'd be having someone else work. Now, in case some think this is just a reformed Presbyterian view, at a church here in New Jersey in Montville, a Baptist church, but it's Reformed Baptist, they would hold to the same view. In fact, if I remember correctly, in their doctrinal statement, they would say that you could be disciplined out of the church for going to a restaurant on Sunday because they would hold to a Sabbath even though they were Baptists. So there, I'm saying that to say there is this distinctions that we have on the issue of Sabbath. I don't want it to be just a presbyterian baptist debate because it isn't and as colleen said we have some disagreements on what specific things we could do on a sunday in that podcast they did mention that we i think we all agree on this that the day of worship moved from the the saturday rest to the sunday celebration of the resurrection of jesus christ and we should look and seek for those things that we agree Discuss our differences. Colleen and I don't completely agree on a Sabbath. We both agree that there was a Sabbath at creation, but we're going to disagree on some of those laws given in the first five books for Israel. We're going to disagree. We're going to, you saw, we disagree on how to divide the law. We disagree on the views of covenants. I'm going to see the covenant a little bit different. Dispensationalists do hold to covenants, by the way. I, Colleen knows this, but we do. We see them as part of each dispensation. But notice the differences that we have in how we're going about the disagreement. I mean, that's that's I think what you wanted to get across as well,
2: right? And I'm I'm actually what I was going to say earlier, which <laughs> slipped my mind, was exactly. Exactly what you just said a second ago, because you had been using the Baptist Presbyterian um, distinction, but really Reformed Baptists hold to the same. I mean, the, the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith is very similar to the Westminster Confession on the Sabbath. So you're going to have Reformed Baptists and you're going to have Reformed and Presbyterians, um, the Reformed hold to the three, three forms of unity which is the Heidelberg Catechism the Belgic Confession and the Canons of Dort and then the presbyterians hold to the Westminster standards which is the confession the Westminster Confession and the shorter and larger catechism and then you have the reformed baptists and so they the reformed baptists will have a similar view on the sabbath that we do
0: some reformed baptists cuz there's actually a split within the reformed baptists um, and it's it was actually between two brothers, <laughs> but there was there was a split within that where uh, some hold to a Sabbath, some don't, and so even with you can't even say all Reformed Baptists would fit into that. Uh, I and think I'm gonna it dep- hold, I'm depends hold, on
2: how you define Reformed Baptists.
0: Correct. Yeah, and I'm going to say that the only creed is the Bible. Just saying Just, that's the only confession I. Need. <laughs> but but and and you know that becomes an important thing is how we use the confessions um i'm going to i would read the confessions but i don't I, I don't go to i go to them as i would a commentary and i think you said on your podcast and i was jokingly saying about you guys using the the confessions cuz you quoted a lot but in your podcast i don't know if i played the clip you even said that the confessions say it well that's why these are men who are thoughtful they addressed it in detail, and they really tried to clarify these issues. And so, quoting the confessions is not saying the confessions are equal in authority to Scripture. Uh, And this is an argument some Baptists would make. They're wrong. Um, Colleen and Ashley were not trying to say that, even though I was joking with that, they're not saying that it's equal in authority to Scripture. They're not saying that it's authoritative in any way other than to say as any other commentary as any other man would would proclaim god's word and say this is the interpretation that's what the confessions are they're not scripture but they are they're going to be seen as a little bit of a different authority in this sense um i'm not gonna i'm gonna see it as a commentary as something that's helpful in understanding theology where some would see it as a little bit more authoritative because it's part of their church government. It's not scripture.
2: Well, right. Okay. So it is anyone who says that it's equal to scripture does not believe the confession because the confession does not say that. In fact, it opposes that idea. But um, a lot of people, if, if the idea of catechism and confessions, and I remember the first time I heard this in my early twenties, and I thought only the, only Catholics have catechisms and confessions, but, but any, I'm sure even your church, Andrew has a confession of faith. And so there is, there is, um, there is some ecclesiastical standing that the, that the confessions have, but we do not believe that they're equal in authority to scripture.
0: You know, one of the things about Presbyterians, they like using these big words, Ecclesiastical, just say church. <laughs> no, but that's what it means, right? So it's it's just for folks who don't know the the term. It it refers to the church issues of the church. Um, so I think we we tried to address the issue of the Sabbath. I actually did say to Colleen and Ashley I was going to respond to their episode on the Sabbath, some areas where I agreed and disagreed, and Colleen and I talked and said, you know. I, instead of just responding, it's better to have the dialogue. So that's why she came in. She didn't, she didn't kind of crash, even though I jokingly invited them in to debate me on this in that sense. Not, I don't think I use the word debate, but invited them in to discuss it. Uh, I knew she was online the whole time. Just saying.
2: (laughs) Right. I didn't actually (laughs) crash his podcast.
0: (laughs) Although. I have been known to crash other people's podcasts. They are, and I've it's been the claim, but I always got the invites. So, but I I do know, I do know. Just just saying, I Pat, uh, the the guys at the growth uh, growth project. I know when they do their recordings, and I know the link to join. I know how to crash it. I I threaten them that I might crash one day. Hey, wait, actually, aren't you doing an episode with them?
2: Yes, in fact, when this, when this podcast airs, I will have it would have already aired back a week ago. So we can put a link in the episode notes. We'll be talking about Ephesians five and kind of a, a woman's perspective on that on marital submission and and um, just how that looks
0: in marriage. So if I crashed that podcast, they won't hear this yet. And folks wouldn't know unless they go back and listen or if they listen it they'll know that I crashed it
2: <laughs> unless I give them a warning
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be fun all right so we have a couple of minutes left. do you want to play a game
2: actually before I play a game, I wanted to mention um, oh, our
1: lost
0: right your last yeah. podcast was yeah. okay now let's okay let, let's say it this way we could say your last podcast was controversial but then i would say but the last two before that were even more so
2: <laughs> well let's see on which last so we did federal vision i wouldn't even talk about that we did recently do an episode on modesty and all positive feedback on that so really really, really thankful yeah all positive feedback so far anyways and but the one we just aired this week is there's a really popular book in, I don't know, Christian evangelical circles for that it's geared towards Christian women, and it's called Girl, Wash Your Face. And we have gotten so many emails and notes and questions in our group because women are coming in saying, all my friends are reading this book. And so we investigated it. We found out it was being used at Bible studies. We both Angela and I, because Angela filling in for Ashley right now, we both read it and we reviewed it. And I'll just say if, if you are somebody who's heard about that book, uh, maybe your man and your wife has it, do listen to that podcast because that book is not Christian. It's a self-help book. It's full of new thought, law of attraction. If you don't know what that is, maybe you're familiar with the book, The Secret, that was very popular a few weeks ago, a few years ago. It's, I, I think it's potentially dangerous. And I think that the fact that it is so popular among Christian women really is proof of the lack of discernment out there.
0: I was going to ask you, is it mostly a women's book?
2: Oh, it's definitely geared towards, it's absolutely geared towards women. I don't, I don't, I haven't even seen anywhere. I did so much research on, I didn't see one man who said, oh, I read this book and it was great. It's definitely geared towards women.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I, I I, know when you mentioned it to me, I had never heard of it. I mean, that doesn't mean that it's, you know, I, 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 but I, I'm kind of a, you know, a bibliophile, I kind of enjoy books. So,
2: Right. Well, just to yeah, let you know how the, popular, its it's been on the New York Times bestseller list. It's been on the Amazon, uh, I think it was number one for weeks and weeks, on the Amazon religion and spirituality list. Now, that doesn't necessarily say anything, but I think... I think probably you haven't heard of it, Andrew, and I really hadn't. I don't think it's popular in our circle so much, but I think it's popular in broader evangelicalism, you know, some of the uh, other kinds of churches out there.
0: Yeah, the books the books you and I enjoy reading are not the ones that make it to the New York Times bestseller list.
2: Right. Or the <laughs> the list of religion and spirituality on Amazon.
0: Yeah. So someone had sent me a message uh two weeks ago I think it was that said that they were very upset because when they went and looked up the rap report they had heard someone told them about it they heard about it and they actually contacted us because when you I guess when you went and look for rap report iTunes comes up with other podcasts like it and Joel Osteen and uh uh oh I forget her name, the woman that's so Joyce fr- Myers. Joyce Meyer, that they came up. And so this person sent an email to the ministry telling me how we have to repent of our false teaching <laughs> that we're associated with people like this. And I went, um, are you very new to podcasting? And they were like, Yeah, why? Yeah, we have no association <laughs> with them. <laughs> That's iTunes just going. Here's the most popular Christian <laughs> podcast right. that has nothing to do with us.
2: Right. Anyone can call themselves a religious or Christian podcast, and
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a check mark that they do when you when you create your podcast. It's what category are you in? And there's just this really general religious one. Everyone fits in there.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It it was funny. I did get, and I didn't pull it up. I should have earlier. We got some very interesting hate mail in the last couple of weeks that, that is just, it, it's almost entertaining. And I was, I was going to read some of them. Uh, and I forgot to pull them up. And if I bring up my email, I'll probably make all kinds of beeping noises. So instead, how about we play a game? All right. It's time now to start the spiritual transition game. Now, Colleen, I know you are very familiar with this game. You just don't play it on theology gals yet. Well, no,
2: yeah, you, but we we do sometime. Probably when, uh, probably around the time our new website comes out. <laughs> um, we have. We have a little surprise for Andrew.
0: Oh, no. Maybe I should work against getting that website. (laughs) So this game is a game we play to help folks learn to transition from the natural world to the spiritual world. So you could take any conversation and turn it to the gospel. And so Colleen is going to give me something. And I get to try to transition from whatever she gives me to the gospel.
2: Okay. See it. I always know this is coming, but I always forget and I'm never prepared. So I literally look around my room and whatever comes to mind. Okay. So I want to think of something that could be like, could really happen. Like I always like my going husband, to the
0: grocery store and right. bread. huh?
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> and but, folks
0: don't know they're going to have to go listen to Theology Gals, to, which are, I don't even know which episode that was when you guys. I know. Like, I
1: don't remember either.
0: But, but I may have the clip.
2: I, I, My husband works for United Airlines, and so I always think in terms of sitting next to people on an airplane because I always have great – not always, but I've some great conversations I've had have been on airplanes. So I'm going to think in terms of that, like if you're sitting next to somebody on an airplane. So how about you're sitting next to somebody on an airplane, Andrew, and they are reading on their – kindle now you have to figure out okay, how to turn read, that into they're
0: just reading on the kindle, yeah, yeah. So, so, ki- like, a kindle.
2: yeah so a kindle so how are you gonna okay like, so they're reading, reading from the reading kindle. On a kindle and now you have to figure out how to
0: i thought you were gonna give me something because I, I spend unfortunately a lot of time on an airplane <laughs>
2: I gave you something easy. I could have said a bag of peanuts, but...
0: Yeah. Because, I- <laughs> you know, I, I did actually have... I was on, not on an airplane, but an Amtrak. And I, this is where I thought you were going to go because I was sitting next to someone and they were reading a book and their book happened to be from TJ Jakes. That was a different kind of conversation. Um, okay, so they're reading on a Kindle. And I got to transition from... Or, or get this conversation from the Kindle to, to there. Uh, do I get to know what they're reading?
2: No. In no. fact, you can't even see I, from here. Okay, your, so I can't the, see? No, you just know that they're reading a Kindle.
0: Okay. All right. So I'm going to be rude and interrupt their reading because they just wanted to sit and read. I, of course, ask what they're reading, and clearly they're not telling me, <laughs> which means no, they're, okay. they're,
2: they're just You know what? They're just reading. <laughs> um, it's, it's a woman, and she's just reading a Nicholas Sparks book. So it just. I don't
0: even know what that is. Uh, okay, sorry.
2: so like love stories.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, here's the thing I, would, I think I would do I would be talking about the fact that I am amazed with Kindles. I really am. That the whole idea and, and the next generation, it's going to be a foreign thing. When I would travel, I carried with me at least five different books because there's times where I'm on the plane. And I'll usually put two books on the plane, but I'd be traveling and I don't know what I'm in the mood to read. I'd ask her if she ever had that experience. I'm sure she would because, you know, that's like for people that love to read, we have this problem and I would tend to bring a lot of books with me. My wife would give me a hard time because I'd bring more books than I can actually read on the trip, but I never knew what I was in the mood to read because sometimes I want to read different types of books. But the beautiful thing about the Kindle is I have everything right there. I don't have to sit there and think about what to bring anymore. It's all downloaded in one place, and now that I have my iPad and I have the Kindle app, I can bring up different books and I have like a hundred or plus books in Kindle, and I could choose any of them. It's nice to have that variety and and the freedom to be able to select anything but an interesting thing is. You can't do that without first having the Kindle. You can't have that freedom to have all those books without having the actual device. And that is something that we often forget. We, we, as we, technology expands, we tend to forget what it was like in the past. But a lot of things we kind of forget. One of the things we often forget in our past, I don't know if you've had this experience, but we kind of forget those things we do that are bad like they're wrong to other people. We kind of only want to look at the good things we do. We forget the bad. But, oh, aren't we good at remembering bad things people did to us? I'm sure she's going to agree because like everyone does. So the reality is, is we f- we remember things people do to us. We forget the bad things we do to others. You know, because part of our nature is we think highly of ourselves so highly that we often think, that we should make all the decisions in our life and not have anyone else tell us what to do. And yet, we're accountable to other people. We're accountable to a God. And now you may not believe in God, but let me tell you something. You and I, you could be more moral than I, but we're both accountable to the God that gave us breath in our lungs that created us. And you know what, he He says that we're gonna be accountable When we do bad things to others, just like we want to hold it against others who do bad things to us, God's going to hold that against us. And therefore, he's going to judge us. And in that judgment, he's going to judge us. We're going to be guilty. We would deserve a lake of fire for eternity. But God himself came to earth and paid the fine that you and I could be set free. If we turn from trusting ourselves as a good person, turn from trusting our good works, Turn to jesus christ and he was that payment god almighty who paid the fine for us we could have eternal life that's how i would do that poorly
2: <laughs> see i and i was just thinking if it were me and i would i would just be like oh you have a kindle i love my kindle i have found so many wonderful free books for my kindle do you know you can get the bible like on every version for free digitally?" And then I would probably go from there.
0: Hmm. (laughs) You know, that's part of the game though. Every person is going to take the same thing differently. And when we play this, we learn from each other. That's why I played. I used to play this all the time in the youth group because there's so many different views you get in on it and everyone has a different way. And it's, it's fun. It's entertaining. Now it takes time. It takes practice. The more you practice, the better you get though. And then you don't need to wait for opportunities. You can make them so i think we went a little bit longer than had planned but i think i hope this was informative for folks i do want to encourage you guys to go out to theology gals listen to their episodes i will link their sabbath episode along with uh the links to their their website for now and the, you know the podcasts that they have so if you want to go check out their podcasts, if you have an app the podcast app, whatever it is, just search for Theology Gals, you're going to see it, and then subscribe. Um, also, do a favor to both of us, if you're listening, is write a review in iTunes. Now, let me preface something. You hear all these podcasters say, write us a review, it helps us. No, it doesn't. No. The only way it actually helps, if you get like tons of uh, tons of, of reviews in a single day, positive reviews, then it it will affect it. Because what they look at is the number of reviews that you're getting and their their star rating. They're not really looking at the individual reviews if it's smaller. But you know what those reviews do? Boy, do they encourage us. Because as podcasters, we sit and talk to our microphone and we don't always get to hear from you. Now, If you're a woman, sorry, guys, you're not allowed on this one. But there is a Theology Gals group where there's lots of discussion. And that's a way that Colleen and Ashley get to, um, you know, have dialogue with their listeners. If you want to do that dialogue with me, go to the group that is Striving for Eternity. I don't separate this podcast from the uh, from our ministry. So go to the, the the Striving Fraternity group, and that's where we try to dialogue. And we want to have the feedback with you guys. Leaving a review on iTunes helps with that. And I know that I have a link in the show notes for where you can go to iTunes to send a review, but those are encouraging. Send emails, and if you want to email me, you can email me at info at strivingforeternity.org, and they send that over to me. And so I encourage you to email, please, because I want to know what you think. I want to dialogue with you guys. You think the show's good. You think it's bad. You think there's room for improvement. You have topics that you want to hear. Last week's topic on depression was because several people in the Striving for Eternity group wanted to have discussed the topic of depression. So we want to respond to you guys. Um, We'll probably sometime in October be giving away uh, possibly another Bible, a nice uh, goat-skinned ESV, but uh, we may be holding that off closer to Christmas. We're going to see. But I do want to let you guys know we're going to be having a new podcast to look forward to. Yes. Yes. Um, for folks who've been waiting, folks who know that Matt Slick from org and I used to do podcasting together, we used to do a show, a two-hour show, we are doing it again. It will be called Apologetics Live. It will be Thursday nights at 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and you'll get more information as the month goes on, but September 27th is when that's going to start, and then we'll do it uh, for the most part every Thursday night. And that will be something that we will have video and then we'll turn that into a podcast uh, hopefully by October and we'll be able to drop that podcast there and you'll be able to listen to the show. That is a show where if you want, if you're an atheist out there, you want to disagree with us, come on, we'll you'll get a chance to talk with Matt, debate with Matt, and then we talk about how we went about that discussion the reasons why certain questions get answered asked and answered the way they do to help train up new ap- uh, apologists. And so dot will be the website when we get it up. It, it's not up yet. It'll be coming up, but look forward to that toward the end of the month. We're going to have even more podcasts dropping on the Christian podcast community. Um, some that I can't speak of yet, but some names that you will know. And so be tuning into that if you want. Just do a search in your podcast app for Christian Podcast Community, and then you get to listen to all of the podcasts that are on there. Right now, it's The Rap Report and Theology Answers, but there's going to be more coming, as I just mentioned. And we have our own group for podcasters called Christian Podcast Community. If you are a Christian podcaster, come join our group. Now, our, there are two groups out there with a smaller one, hopefully not for long. But we're, we're out there to help people with to produce better podcasts. One of the things that we're doing right now is helping people find uh, that want to be guests, to find ways to get on to different shows to be a guest. These are the sort of things we're trying to do as a community. Uh, Colleen, anything else that we want to share about the community? You're a big part of it.
2: Um, no, I, I think you, you hit on everything. I mean, if you're somebody that is thinking, I want to start a podcast and I don't even know what to do to start, it's a good place. You can connect with other podcasters and, you know, learn all the basics things. We've had people that have joined the Facebook group and said, uh, you know, I need help in turning our church's sermons into a podcast and, or I want to start a podcast. I have no idea, you know, where to start. And so
0: here we got an encouragement this week by someone who said that uh, they had, didn't really know how to start a podcast. And because of the group, they are starting their podcast and they, they now have the feeling that they have the skills to to start their own podcast and so that was someone that uh we'd been i had been talking with because one of the things that colleen and i try to do within that is some discipleship mentoring for folks who want to learn how to podcast help you get up to speed quicker and that's going to be a podcast we're actually going to be doing shortly uh we are going to start a podcast maybe by october called so you want to be a podcaster and that's going to be one for you to tune into if you want to be a podcaster. So, Colleen, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, uh, you know, receiving the correction well that I, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: only because you had me muted. No, I'm <laughs> <totally>
0: kidding. <laughs> so, so I, I hope that by the end of this, you're now dispensational. And
2: <laughs> yeah, but see, you, you forgot to tell the, the people that I used to be a dispensational, and then I saw the truth.
0: But hey, that would mean that you return to dispensationalism. That <laughs> you saw a trip. <laughs> no, but I do. I do want to appreciate you coming on. I want to thank you for all that you guys are doing over at theology, gals. It's good. Good work over there. And I do think, even though I disagree sometimes with the things you guys discuss, I'm sure you disagree with some of the things I discuss. But that doesn't mean we can't have charity with one another. Amen. All right. Well, until next week, remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Hey, just so folks know, uh, since the recording of this after I forgot to mention this during the recording, but, you know, we recorded this on a Sunday night. That's the Sabbath. Just wanted to say for the record that if Colleen had a view that you shouldn't work on the Sabbath, I'm just saying it was a Sabbath day that we recorded. That's why I wanted to do it on a Sunday.